After 11 years, Brett's marriage had grown stale. He wanted something better for he and his wife. Focus on the families helped our marriage from the standpoint of opening our hearts to see things from the other's perspective and to make sure that God is centered in our marriage. I'm Jim Daly. Together we can save more marriages like Brett's and give families hope. Donate at focusonthefamily.ca slash give. So it's not gold star, check it off the list. You're a great Christian because you know all these. It's like, how do we let God's word and truth move through us in parenting so that they're learning the right things and they're learning, you know, what to do and what's wise and the right and wrong, but we're not using it as a filter for you look like and walk like a good kid. And now do that and don't mess. You know, don't smile. Now don't jump. Now don't go in and out of the line. Do you know what I mean? Well, that's Courtney DeFeo describing how you can be more effective in teaching godly character to your children. And she was our guest last time on Focus on the Family. We're looking forward to part two of that conversation today. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. John, last time Courtney reviewed some important virtues that children need to know, things like love, forgiveness, and perseverance. And what I loved was her ability to communicate these big concepts in fun and simple ways, even for kids as young as five, six, or seven years old. And frankly, I think these are great concepts for the whole family to learn, uh, mom and dad included. And that highlights one of our primary goals here at Focus on the Family, to equip you to be the best parent you can be and help you pass on your faith and values to the next generation. I'm looking forward to hearing more insights from Courtney's wonderful book, In This House We Will Giggle, Making Virtues, Love, and Laughter a Daily Part of Your Family Life. We'd be happy to tell you more about Courtney and her book when you call 800, the letter A in the word family, or stop by focusonthefamily.ca. And as we mentioned last time, this conversation was recorded a few years ago. Let's go ahead and continue now with part two of our conversation with Courtney DeFeo on today's episode of Focus on the Family. Courtney, welcome back to Focus. Thank you. So happy to be here. Now, we loved it last time. You really uh, shed some great light on how to teach your kids virtues. You're a fun-loving person, I can tell. You Is can you... kind of tell by the hat yeah, or whatever she's, she's wearing. wearing this the very yeah, strange I hat. I've got a flower on right now. Why not? Now, your husband, Ron, is mm -hmm. he uh, compatible to your outgoing nature? <laughs> He is. You would be shocked to know that he's actually the more joyful one. You know, he is waking up like Santa Claus and I'm moving people to the coffee maker in a bad mood. So, you know, I tell people I'm the chief mood officer. And it's funny if I will just get out of my bad mood that everybody else starts getting a, more, a little more joyful. But he's really so happy. He's a great guy. Well, that is good. Now, in the book, In This House, We Will Giggle, you talk about 12 virtues. You've actually created a deck of uh, virtue cards yeah. that allow you to go through this. We talk about the need to uh, concentrate. You only do 12 for the year. So once a month, you just concentrate on one virtue because there's probably hundreds of virtues that we can elaborate on, right? Oh, yeah. It can be overwhelming. You know, my sister, we talked about this last time I was on the show. She told me one time, I can't read your blog sometimes because I just, it makes, reminds me of all the things that I'm not doing. And I thought, man, how many of us feel that way? That once we you know, open up a program or we even read our Bible, do we get overwhelmed at all the things where we're lacking as a parent? It's hard to live a perfect 
life. It is. It is. And thank heavens for Jesus. And I think <laughs> one exactly of the verses it. we talked about earlier, Jim, was when we read in Galatians about fruit of the Spirit, some of these things aren't optional. You know, if we're a believer and we've got the Holy Spirit in us, some of these things we should have in our lives and they should be a fruit of walking with the Lord. But when you look at virtues, um, you don't want to say, if I'm not doing these 12 that Courtney put in her book, then I'm a failure. That's not the case. My hope was to provide people with a conversation starter and a resource to say, if you are valuing a few of these things and you want some of these virtues and values that are biblical to surface up in your home to say, we were a family that was about love. We were a family that was about God's generosity. Then here's a few ways that you might learn how to practice that daily. Yeah. And in fact, last time we talked about love and forgiveness and perseverance. And if you want to know about those, get the CD. And today we're going to talk about respect, service, and humility. So let's get to it. Sure. Um, how do we how do we look at respect? And, and this could be I'm laughing because I'm thinking of how much disrespect kids can <laughs> give you as parents. Um, talk about how you can convey the virtue of respect without it coming with the dirty look as a parent. <laughs> yeah, you hit the nail on the head. We could easily say what respect is by going through the list of what disrespect is. <laughs> right. And I have some pet peeves. You know, interrupting is one of my, you know, I feel like we've got it together as parents until we go into a public setting and my kids start interrupting me in front of other adults. And I'm like, don't they know I wrote a parenting book? Like, stop interrupting <laughs> me in front of people. So this is about your embarrassment. Uh, totally. <laughs> and so I have to think, you know, I'm raising adults is what I'm doing. I'm not trying to perform and look good in front of my friends and have them behave like good little Christian That's kids. That's a good point. And so I want them actually learning how to sit at a business dinner and operate in a respectful way. I want them to be able to, you know, go to class and respect the teacher and their authority when I'm not there and when I'm not looking at them with a dirty look across the room. So this plays out from when they're a time they're little that we're practicing. And so I have them go back into a restaurant and thank the people for their meal. I have them oh, not crawl through the landscaping at places. And if they did it and they were little kids, I'll say, oh, okay, jump out of there real quick. Did you know somebody used their hands to plant those flowers and they worked really hard? And how would that make you feel if you know someone stomped all over your work? And, and so a lot of times it isn't a lecture and they're in trouble. It's just bringing their attention to somebody else was maybe involved in this. And that made them feel bad when you stomped them out. I appreciate your tone right there as you're speaking because that's one of the things I've really had to struggle with. My wife caught me the other day and she said, you sound so stern right there. Uh-huh. And we've had to really um, watch the tone. It's easy to get in that lecture mode yeah. and to say, hey, knock it off. And that doesn't communicate respect to the child. Right, right. And I think one of the things we can do that helps them so much is set ground rules and let them know what we're expecting up front. So we have this simple rules that we say, what are rest, what's restaurant behavior? What is a dinner behavior? What is a baseball game behavior? And they need to know. We can't expect them to understand that it, and we're in church or you're in big church, it's helpful to stay quiet. Or if you're in a funeral, this is how it's supposed to go. You know, we can't assume that at five years old or seven or nine that they know all the appropriate rules to be respectful of. Here's how you walk through someone's home and, you know, ask them (laughs) for something to drink, you know, or walk on their furniture. We need to explain to them in a nice way of how to be respectful of others. How do you teach respect to your boys or your girls? Mm -hmm. What activity do you use? Yeah, this activity, you're going to think it's just for girls, but it's not. And it's a fancy feast um, because no matter your um, gender, you're going to get into a dinner situation and you're going to have to learn how to wait for someone to speak and you're going to have to learn how to greet someone at the door or hang their coat or pull out a chair. And so before it becomes 
um, your first prom or before you're sitting at a dinner where you've never done that before, I think it's time for them to practice. And so we set up a really fancy feast in our home. Um, and we did this with a bunch of little girls, but you can do it with their cousins or their grandmother. And where they're involved in the process. So they're actually going to help serve the dinner. They're going to greet people at the door. They may have to put on that little sport coat. Um, and we teach them how to respectfully host people in the home and teach them before it's the time where we go, good luck at prom, you know, good luck at your first senior dinner. And we've never told them about how to, you know, and it's not about having Southern snooty, fine manners where they can't be themselves. It's like, this is just how to engage and, and wait your turn to talk and, and pause and listen to someone's story and, and listen to what they're saying and look them in the eyes and thank them for the meal. There's some basic, I think, just nice, polite manners that's not over the top. And one important thing that I've learned is that it's good to tell the kids when they're going into a situation, as you just said, with restaurant behavior, Mm -hmm. do it right before you go in. Okay, this is how we behave in this situation. This is what's expected. Mm -hmm. And then on the back end, tell them them how they did. Um, You know, this was really good. Give them feedback. And not just the glare when they didn't do it right. You know, you did this well, you did this well. This is something I noticed you didn't do so well. So you want to remember next time to pull the chair out for your mom or something like that. Jim, I'm so glad you brought that up. This goes across all the virtues we have talked about. I have noticed the biggest difference in my children when I stop and recognize the ones they're doing well versus trying to always talk about how we can get better. And I think what if our jobs was to point out where God was already moving in them and already saying, you are so kind, and I see it come up again and again. You are so respectful. And they are. Our kids are so much better than we give them credit for. And if we can start almost watching like hawks, and watch when these virtues are bubbling up and stopping and pulling them aside and saying, what you just did in there with your grandmother, so respectful. What you did with your sister at the lunch table, so generous. And we just mm-hmm. start pointing them out. Their little hearts, you can watch their faces fill up. And so we've got to be diligent as parents to you know, praise them. And it's hard to remember to do that because we're like watching. you know. Well, we're always on the negative because yeah. it's easier to pick it out. Yeah. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Searching for the right insurance at the right price isn't always a quick click on the internet. Deeks Insurance has been a licensed insurance brokerage since before Googling was a thing. So if you're looking to save on auto insurance that includes multi-vehicle discounts and first accident forgiveness or home coverage with enhanced water options, then start your search by typing Deeks Insurance. You'll already start saving on time spent searching the internet for the best insurance. Visit deeksinsurance.ca to get started with a quote. Deeks Insurance, where family matters. John Avery Whitaker is an incredible guy, but have you ever wondered what makes wit, wit? Find out in the new Young Wit book series from Focus on the Family. In book number one, nine-year-old John Avery Whitaker moves to a new town, makes new friends, faces a new bully, and solves a 70-year-old mystery. Young Wit and the Trader's Treasure is available at focusonthefamily.ca. That's shop.focusonthefamily.ca. Focus on the Family Canada's Hope Restored Marriage Intensive Program is a proven program designed to save couples from the brink of divorce. For over 15 years, Hope Restored Marriage Intensives have helped more than 4,500 couples, and over 80% of those surveyed are still together two years after attending. If you or someone you know is facing a crisis in their marriage, please call Focus on the Family Canada today at one 833 hope or visit hoperestoredcanada.ca to find out more. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. 
Courtney, when you look at one of the hardest virtues sometimes to teach younger children, it's this idea of service. And it's probably the one as parents that we really want to see them excel in because mm-hmm. we would like them to show service to us and to others. How do you uh, begin to impart the virtue of service into your seven, eight, nine-year-old? Yeah, service is one of those that when it becomes their idea, it soars. And so whenever we can give them an opportunity to try it, and the definition is using our hands, feet, and hearts to honor God and love others. So it's basically getting them in the ball game. Right. And so when we, again, when we lecture them, eyeballs start rolling and things go over, they get the concept of serving. But so often in the Christian community, they always are told they're too young. You know, you have to be 12 or 13 or 14 to get involved. And so when we can come up with activities that say you are not too young, and I want to give you a story that will just blow your mind and give you an example. This little girl, CJ, is in my kid's school. She's seven years old. And just this last week, she heard a story by Food for the Poor on the radio and they were saying kids in Guatemala they actually starve if they don't get the food that they need and she said to her mom I'm so sad mom these kids can't die and they said she said they do and they said you know for x dollars a month you can feed a child and she'll they'll make it the whole year and she said I want to do something at seven years old it pricked her heart and the mom said I'll help you you just tell me what you want to do so they said we're going to have this Saturday we're going to have a water stand and then they went also she said I'll start a GoFundMe page and I'll share it on my Facebook page and her goal was $300 she could feed 11 kids for the year. Wow. That girl, 7 years old, raised over $800 and mm. she's feeding 33 kids for a year for That's food for incredible. the poor. So I've shared that story with so many people. I put it on my blog. We went to her water stand and got, took pictures of her and so she is beaming and she's got to tell her whole school about it. And so it just showed me that just when you get a little girl's heart pricked mm. by the Lord to say, I'm going to do something about that. Her friends got on board, and all of a sudden there's groups involved, and they're moving. And what? She doesn't need a lecture on service. She experienced it, and she said, I'm doing this every year. And so that is just an example to say, you know, God can move through these kids. They're not too young. It's fantastic. I mean, really, to have her open her heart up that way. Yeah. She's going to be a powerhouse as Totally. You could see her doing something And my girls watching her, their wheels were turning. Yeah. They're going, okay, I don't know if I'll do a water stand. I don't know if it's Guatemala, but I can make a difference. And I said, yes, you can. You just let me know what your idea is, and I will help you get there. That is good. Now, not everybody is going to have a motivated seven-year-old Absolutely. daughter. So yeah. what are some uh, maybe starter steps to get there yeah. in terms of teaching service? Absolutely. One of the ideas that we have in the book is this is basically your chance. <laughs> the moms may roll their eyes. The kids are going to love it to have a group play date, and it's going to surround on service. Because my kids are begging me all the time to have tons of friends over and I'll say yes to one but more more than one kids <laughs> stresses me out you're used to it job with six kids um, but so you have a group play date and the topic is service so we say you can have five friends over six friends but we're going to do something for the community and so whether it's a car wash and we're going to just have a free car wash and all the things go to charity we're going to make meals and all the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches go this is just a play day at your house yes or you can go to a school <laughs> you know that kind of thing but the idea is that when they're with their friends peer pressure is working in your favor because when it's their their idea uh-huh. and their friends are doing it together, it's a group service play date. So that's the big idea, and I've seen it work. It's worked for my kids, and I think it. You know, for your teens, you may have to get a little more creative on where they're going. They may want to leave the house <laughs> to serve, but duh, duh, dad, <laughs> they want to be on their phone serving. Yeah, yeah we'll have so, to think of some oh, things for you. That. Said serving, not surfing. Surfing, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, that another is... idea that we saw at our school is they did a 
Valentine's brunch, and it's a Christian school, so they can do this a little bit differently, but they did a Valentine's brunch for widows. And it was so cool to watch these widows walk in on brunch, on Valentine's and have a place to eat and be honored by seventh graders. And so oh, you saw these awesome. seventh graders walking these ladies in, seating them, bringing their lunch over to them. And I thought, how cool. That is not just a suggestion. It's biblical. It's like, you know, care for our widows. And here they were, and they do it every year. And so I thought, what a great idea that a whole classroom got together and honored some widows that weren't probably typically loved on on Valentine's Day for some years. No, that is so sweet. Isn't that awesome? I love that. So I can just envision them pulling and yeah. pushing in the chair for yeah. those ladies. Amazing. And, yeah. Amazing. That is wonderful. Hey, um, we want to also cover humility, uh, which, you know, we got to recognize here when you're talking specifically about teaching children virtues, you know, there's recent uh, scientific research that shows Boys, for example, their judgment area of their brain is not fully – this is not going to come as a shock to anybody. The judgment area of their brain is not fully developed until their mid-20s. <laughs> now everybody's – yeah, okay, I could see that. And the point there is sometimes you need to be patient, that virtue of patient as a parent. Absolutely. Because your kids aren't going to get it. You're going to do this with your 8-year-old or your 10-year-old, and guess what? You're going to have to do it again. And you may have to do it again and again and again through their teen years and all that, because you're not going to, it's not formulaic. You're not going to do it once, walk away and go, okay, they have patience because we did this great thing. Um, It will help. It will contribute to forming that in them, but it's not a one-stop formulaic approach, is it? No, absolutely not. And I will be the first to say, I could do all of this stuff and my kids could make some really interesting choices that could have me back here on this show um, talking about some really poor choices or failures. You know, I had some really interesting choices in college, and I was raised in a great Christian home. So all of there is not a formula. Um, there's definitely not. And we have to have our hands open and say, God is going to work in them. And a lot of this stuff can be used through their failures in every one of these virtues. We can say, my kids bombed in every category, but we had the best lesson through the failure. I know yeah. in my life, I look back and say where I failed in every one of these categories is where God taught me the most. Well, and that's where humility is so good. So touch uh-huh. on that Absolutely. one specifically. Humility has a really interesting scale. We talked about earlier how there's a scale on all these, and then there, there's some gray area. On one end of the scale of humility, you have parents that have, are almost like the parents that put their kids on American Idol, and they've told them they're actually the best singers ever. <laughs> Until they show up on right. American Idol. Right, and you're Idol. thinking, why didn't someone tell them they can't <laughs> sing? They're terrible. You know. And so my parents were awesome. My mom thinks I basically ran Chick-fil-A when I worked there. I'm like, Mom, no, I was not true at Kathy. I was you know, I was good and I loved marketing, but I was not running the company. But she has built me up over the years and I am so thankful for her being a cheerleader. But there's a, tends to be a skew of parents that want to build up such confident kids that they overdo it, you know? So then the other end of the scale are parents so terrified of that that they never encourage their kids. And don't want don't, them to be proud. They don't want them to be proud. So they just knock them down, and they don't ever encourage them. And so I find myself wanting to be in the middle, skewing towards confidence and saying the world is going to knock them down. The friends are going to knock them down. And so I'm not going to lie to them or I'm not going to be truthful about their weaknesses, but I'm going to tell them you are made for a purpose. Tell them the truth about how God made them and build them up because every day someone else is going to be knocking them down. Well, if you think about it in marriage, and we talk about it here at Focus on the Family, you need a five-to-one complement ratio to criticism. Yeah. It's even bigger when it comes to your children, I think. It may be 10 to 1 where they need to feel confident about who they are in God and know their weaknesses, but you know, criticize in a limited way and uh, if not 
ever. You know, constructive criticism is fine, but you got to build them up. So I like that. But with humility, what would be uh, a way to get that point across in an activity lesson? Yeah, for activity, for humility, we've done a thing called job well done card. And I think an important activity for our kids early on is to know that they can celebrate others, even when they're not being recognized. And this has been so huge for my girls because they want to win. They're competitive like their mother, and they want to be recognized and win at everything, and they just won't be. And so over time, I've wanted them to show up at their friends' awards banquets. I've wanted them to show up at concerts and say, you are not in the center stage today, but your friend is. Mm. And that is hard for them. Is that yeah, I was going to say. It how is. is that going? And it's hard as sisters and it's hard probably as brothers to say, I yeah. wanted to be on the soccer team. Well, you know, tonight's your brother's night. So we're yeah. going to go celebrate. And my um, daughter's teacher, Mrs. Brown, just told me that her daughter said, tonight's this, you know, senior awards banquet or high school awards. And she said, well, I'm not going to get anything. And she said, well, guess who is? Your friends. And we're going. Yeah. And little did her daughter know she actually was getting something. But mm-hmm. she made her daughter go anyways because she knew all of her friends were getting awards. And, and that definition for our kids is giving God an others the center stage it's like how can we keep deflecting things to say this is not about us all the time sometimes it's about what god has done in our lives or it's about others getting the center stage and how can we continue to deflect praise and glory to somebody else other than ourselves and that's hard yeah it is hard humility is a tough one i remember my youngest son he went out for the basketball team not long ago and there were 40 kids going for 12 positions and he had not played much basketball i think he did one year at the y and so I, before I dropped him off, I said, now, Troy, it's going to be kind of tough because you haven't been in it. And these other kids have probably been in it for six or seven years. So just, you know, do your best and then hang with whatever happens. He goes, okay, yeah, Dad. And he had such a great attitude. So the first night he got through, they had cut a few of the kids. So he got through and he was telling me he's all excited. I got through the first night, Dad. I'm good. I'm good. And I said, well, there's always tomorrow night. So just guard your heart a little. And uh, he said, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. with There's some good players out there. And so the second night came around, I picked him up, and he jumped in the car. I could tell he had a little longer face. He wasn't quite as excited yeah. this time. I said, well, how'd it go? He said, well, I got cut. And I mm-hmm. said, how do you feel about it? He said, actually, I feel pretty good. You know, I haven't played basketball much, so I'll just try harder and come out next year and try again. And I was so proud of him. He wasn't owning it in a bad way. He was owning it in a realistic way. He just knew his skill set was not as strong yet. And hopefully he'll get there, but I think it was a good life lesson for him. Good for him. I think one of the hardest things for me, definitely in writing this book with such young children, is I thought, Lord, you're going to have to, I can't share all my insights. What do I know? It's got to be something you're sharing and teaching me through my struggles as a parent. And one of my biggest struggles is the strengths and weaknesses of my children and knowing how do I handle that? Because you can compare your children to other children so easily. And here's what I feel like he laid on my heart. A quick prayer that I'll share with you is, Lord, let their weaknesses be the very thing that draws them to you and let their strengths be the very thing that draws others to you. So let me unpack that a little bit. I thought, Lord, when they're so weak, I want that to be the thing that they just cling to you and say, I don't understand why I'm not very good in this area. And let that be the thing that just sink that draws them so close to God. And then when they're really, really good at something, I don't want that to puff them up. Mm. I want that to be the thing that people go, I don't understand how she's so gifted at that. That must be God. And so that was just a big aha moment as I wrote this chapter for something. God was like, I don't want you to forget this about humility because you're going to be 
you're going to tend to be so proud of your children that you're going to want to like brag on them yeah, <laughs> and be a not so humble parent. So it's, and it's a great virtue. All of these have been terrific. And these are the core things we want to teach our children. Um, Courtney, it comes to mind that um, you can do all this great work and teach these good virtues, but there's one thing that has to be done. And a lot of, surprisingly, a lot of parents uh, look past this very core thing, and that's how to lead your child into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Oh, yes. I mean, we, you can do all the right teaching and think that it's through osmosis or absorption that they understand how to connect the dots to God. How do you do that as a parent in an effective way? How do you uh, turn your child's heart toward the Lord and deal with that very fundamental thing of making sure they're making a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ? I'm so glad you brought that up. There's an entire chapter in the book on faith. But for mine, I had so much nerves around that. I thought, yeah. am I going to say it right? You know, I remember as a child, I probably said a prayer about eight times. You know, you go to camp, you're like, I think I'll say it one more time, just in <laughs> case, sure. just to yeah. be sure I said it right. And so we were looking at the ABC scripture cards and Ella was memorizing V and it says, very truly, I will tell you the one who believes has eternal life. And she said, mom, what does that mean? And she was five. And I thought, yeah, oh, what no. A concept. oh no, here we go. <laughs> we're having that conversation. And I don't know if I'm ready. And am I going to do it right? And the control freak in me thought, am I going to say the right words? Is she going to get it? Is she too young. And so I just felt this push from the Lord to tell her, tell mm. her what it means. You and know, don't do, underestimate their ability to their get ability it. to get it. And so I said, well, El, you know, eternal life is somewhere that you go, you know, after this life, it's heaven. And it's where Jesus is. It's where my grandmother is. And it's where I'm going to go because I believe in Jesus and I put my faith in him. And I want you to go there someday. And she said, well, I want to do that too. I believe in Jesus. And I said, okay. And so we prayed together and I just felt this release it's, the lord's like it's not that big. you know you're you're over complicating it right, and trust it that i can work that relationship out with her and i think a forced faith on our kids is going to fizzle i think when we can allow and trust that god is big enough to move her heart and i've allowed that to happen with the baptism process she has not made that choice yet but i'm like that's her timeline yeah. that's her process but i'm going to keep a um, putting her in a church. I'm going to keep showing her these things. We're going to keep studying God's Word, but it's her faith and her journey, and my other daughter too. And that's how we concluded our second part of our conversation with Courtney DeFeo, reviewing her book, In This House We Will Giggle, Making Virtues, Love, and Laughter a Daily Part of Your Family Life. And uh, Jim, Courtney shared a lot of really practical, inspirational ideas for families. She did, and I really appreciate her passion as a mom to love her kids well and plant those seeds of the gospel in their lives. You know, as parents, we can't control the outcome. Our children will choose their own path in terms of how they'll live and believe uh, once they're adults. Uh, but you can be faithful in sharing God's truth with your children and modeling how to live as a follower of Christ. You won't do it perfectly. Nobody does. But even that's an opportunity to teach your children about confessing mistakes and asking for forgiveness. And the good news is you don't need to carry the load of evangelizing your family all on your own. Focus on the Family is here to help, and we've got lots of resources that will equip and encourage you, like Courtney's book and our monthly Live It Challenges, where we motivate children of all ages to take their faith seriously and live out what the Bible teaches in very tangible ways. 
These are great tools to help your entire family grow spiritually, and I hope you'll contact us to learn more about them. And the place to start is focusonthefamily.ca or call 1-800-232-6459. And let me encourage you to support the spiritual development of other families as well. Every year, Focus on the Family is contacted by literally hundreds of thousands of parents who are looking for help. Uh, Thanks to the generosity of friends like you, we're able to produce broadcasts like this one and provide the resources that we've mentioned. But we need your ongoing help to keep that process running. Please consider making a monthly pledge to Focus on the Family today. And with those gifts, we'll be able to reach even more parents and equip them to share the good news of Jesus Christ. So give generously today. And if a monthly pledge is more than you can afford right now, we do understand anything you can offer will be helpful. Our number again is 800-A-FAMILY or donate online at focusonthefamily.ca. And next time on this broadcast, we'll hear from a former abortion doctor who experienced a complete turnaround in her perspective. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for this episode of Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.